we are touching some very sensitive issue uh, dealing with the hearts of men, dealing with our hearts. So we are talking about some Satan is constantly attacking our hearts through voices in our mind, through people speaking to us. And we got to recognize that behind the voices of men, behind our own thoughts, Satan, the devil, is trying to speak and get into our hearts. So that he can control our hearts because if he takes possession of our hearts, he controls our life. And so this spiritual warfare actually, you know, you don't see it, it doesn't seem to be really fierce, but yet it is so uh, devastating to many, many Christians because we are just not aware and we are just listening to him all the time. And thinking that we are worshipping God. And we need to understand, even though we love God, we are not exempted from it. The Lord Jesus Himself, Satan, tried and come to Him. Because so often we think that, oh, as Christian, oh, Satan cannot do anything to us. Well, if you are walking closely to God, He can't. But the truth is, we have a divided heart. Many of us, we have a divided heart. We love God, yes. But at the same time, there are other things we also love that competes with uh, the Lordship of Jesus. And we allow those things to come in. So Satan tried to come into Jesus' heart. How about us? We've seen people who love God like Ananias, Sapphira. They love God. They want to give to God. And yet Satan came in and destroyed them. This is a warning. Warning. And this morning I want to share with you another person who allowed the enemies to come in without, well, I wouldn't say without realizing. Maybe he doesn't realize Satan is behind it. David, the one who loved God with all his heart, the one whom God said is after my own heart. And yet Satan came in to him and worked and bring devastation. First Chronicles 21, verse 1 to verse 4. First Chronicles 21, verse 1. Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census of Israel. I'll jump to verse 3. But Joab, the, the, the general, the, his, the captain of the army, replied, May the Lord multiply his troops a hundred times over. My Lord the King, are they not all my Lord's subject? Why does my Lord want to do this? Why should he bring guilt on Israel? Verse 4, the king's word, however, overruled Joab. So Joab left and went throughout Israel and then came back to Jerusalem. Okay, can you, can you imagine 
David. He, he's the one who prayed, Lord, search my heart. He's very conscious of his heart's condition, his relationship with God. And yet Satan was able to come in. You know, the scripture is very clear. Satan rose up against Israel and incited David. He works in David's mind. He put the thoughts in David's mind and into his heart. So much so that even his general Joab warned him. Tell him, why do you want to do this? And yet David refused to listen because the enemy has sowed those thoughts into his heart. And now it takes hold of David's life. And as a result, God's judgment came. Many, many people were killed because of David's action. And so the enemies want to come into our heart and bring devastation. Sometimes not necessary to our life, but to those around us, to our family members. And so we got to be warned. This morning, I want to share with you another voice, a very powerful voice that controls so many Christians. And, and we, we don't even realize it, the voice of human tradition. The voice of human tradition. So much so that we nullify the word of God that we know so well. So we know the, the voice of tradition is so ingrained into our life. It's part of our culture. It's part of us. I was just in UK. You know, Brother Ong and Michelle, the daughter who is a medical doctor, just given birth to a baby. And so while I was there just fellowshipping with them, you know, we have tradition, right? If our woman give birth, you know, they will have to go through that 30 days, uh, one month of being, uh, eating certain kind of food and everything. I was just wondering what would they do in this situation because Michelle married an Englishman and she's a medical doctor. What would they do? What do you think? So, uh, talking to Siang, she was saying, oh, at least Michelle listened. They cook a lot of ginger and, and that kind of stuff. You know, I, I don't know what, what, what it is. I think some of you know better. And, and they still... They, they still practice a little bit of this kind of tradition. So can you see, traditional voices are so powerful. They're ingrained in us. They are part of our culture, part of our behavior. It's so difficult to break. Even though, medically speaking, she may disagree because of her learning, of her training, Tradition. Are you going to give in to it? Are you going to say, no, it's okay. I don't need to eat this. Are you going to listen to the voice of the elders? Or are you going to listen to what you know 
as knowledge. And uh, the voice of tradition is different from the yeast of the Pharisee. The yeast of the Pharisee is religious thinking, uh, uh, teaching. And then we begin to have a pattern of thought and begin to take it very far beyond what God intended it to be. That's the yeast of the Pharisee and it affects our life. The voice of tradition are truths that we know from the Bible, biblical truth, we know very clearly, but the voice of tradition comes in and we decided to nullify the word of God because of the voice of tradition. Can you see the difference? One is you have the measure of truth, but you begin to take it you know, far maybe because of that, that religious thinking. Okay, this one, voice of tradition is, you know what is the truth. You know what God said. But you overrule it with the voice of tradition because we are Chinese. Because we are human beings. You know, the tradition. Let's look at uh, uh, Mark. Mark 7, verse 5 and verse 6. Mark 7, verse 5 and Verse 6. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, These people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. Okay, how did Jesus describe us when we do things like that? He said, you hypocrite. In other words, you know what is true. You Pharisees, you Sadducees, you know the teaching of the Word of God. And now you deliberately nullify the Word of God because of your tradition. It's not that you don't know. You hypocrite. And when we do that, Jesus quoted Isaiah. He said, when we do that, it shows that we honor God with our lips. So, with our mouth, we praise God, we worship God, we say, Jesus, I love you, and so on. But when it comes to our decision in life, we follow the tradition of man rather than following God, even though we know what God has said. So Jesus said, you don't honor me. It's just lips, lip service. Can you imagine how easy it is and we, we fall into this category of what Jesus is talking about, right? And Jesus described the heart is far from God, far from me. So this morning, what about our hearts? I know we worship the Lord. I know we sang. We do that every Sunday. But how close are we to God? Where is our heart as far as God is concerned? Are we close to Him? Or are we just paying lip service to the Lord? So I know 
the voice of tradition is so, so powerful. But we need to break it. We need to hold on to the truth. Otherwise, we are just like what Jesus has said. We give lip service, but our hearts are far from God. Okay, and there are times when I look at people and, and, and it's shocking how tradition really binds us. Why, why do we follow tradition? Even though we know it's wrong. Why do we continue in our human tradition? Even though we know we stand against God. Because we, are, we don't want to rock the boat. When you come against tradition, you realize there will be so many people who will speak against you, who will come against you. Because it has been the culture, it has been the practice of everyone around. And if you try and break it, hell will break loose. They will come against you. And that's why, because of that, we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to be the one that stick up. Against the crowd. And that's why sometimes I go to funeral. A non-Christian funeral. I look at the people. And some of these are professional people. Intellectual. They're so educated. And yet, funeral time. If they need to burn hell money for their loved ones, they will do it. I don't know whether they believe in it or not. But they will do it. Because that's like part of a Chinese, Chinese uh, uh, traditional uh, practice uh, in that kind of uh, religious religion. I'm just wondering, hey, these people, they are so educated. Uh, they, but why are they doing it? Do they really believe it? If they don't, why do they keep doing it? Tradition. The voice of tradition that bound, binds people. Because we don't want to rock the boat. If we don't do it, look at reality. Look at all these people. People will come against us. So we continue to practice it. We nullify the word of God. We know this is not from God. But we continue to do it. Even though we are not Christian, they just say, oh, you know, this is tradition. We just do it. I don't really believe in it. Because they know if they say they believe in it, they are idiots. They are fools. But they just are tradition. We, we, we do it. Can you see the, the bondage? Because we don't want to rule the boat. And what about us? There are tradition. There are philosophy of the world. There are things that we practice. But we know they are not, not from God. But we continue. We continue. We know the word of God. What did Jesus say? Seek ye First, the kingdom of God. We heard it many times. We don't need to look at the scripture. We know it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all his righteousness and all these things will be added into you. But, this is life. Man. You know, you grow, you get married, you have a family. 
you take care of your family and make sure they're well. And then you're a good man. You're a good person. When you go to church, yes, you teach them to love Jesus, to, to have a religion. Oh, they, they just they go to church, then we're happy they go to church. We don't worry about whether they really love God. They really follow God. Because we don't either. Because we just practice. Tradition. So we can have our Christian tradition. We know, seek ye first the kingdom of God. But do we practice it? Do we practice it? Seek. So it's something that is not obvious. But you've got to look for it. Hunt for it. You've got to spend time. You've got to put effort. You've got to find it. Your heart's got to be there. You've got to seek after it. And it says first. Seek first. The kingdom of God. I'm sure we know it. But we allow the tradition of man to nullify the word of God from our life. Is it true? You think about it. Some of us, we, we give excuses. Oh, puzzle teaching, very difficult. That's our justification for not following, for not seeking the kingdom of God. Because if pastor don't teach the kingdom of God, you better go and find out what the kingdom of God is. Because Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. That means pastor is way out. He's not talking about the kingdom of God. He should be, because Jesus tells us to seek first the kingdom of God. You know, I better find out for myself, because I don't want to follow this kind of pastor. But we give excuses. No. Oh, it's too difficult. So, so we follow, continue our tradition. We continue our tradition. We nullify the word of God. You know, when we really sick, you find. I'm sure you heard of Muslim people. I met someone. They didn't know God. They were seeking, they were asking questions. In a dream, God spoke to them. God spoke to them. So if God can do this kind of thing for someone who seek after Him, and we say, oh, you know, it's very difficult to follow what Pastor said, is, you know, what, what kind of excuse is this? We want to justify our behavior, our tradition, nullifying the Word of God. Look at what he continued to say in verse 7 and 8. Mark 7, verse 7 and 8. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the tradition of men. 
But you've been worshipping. You've been coming before God. You've been going to church. You've been talking to people about, well, the Christian teaching. But Jesus said, I, I didn't know you. Their worship is in vain. Isn't it frightening? You know, sometimes I, 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 I begin to wonder, yeah, we go to religion, we have a lot of people, so-called Christians. But sometimes I just wonder during when we have to stand before Jesus at the end of the day, what would Jesus say to us? I don't want to know what our pastor tells us. I hope it's the same as what Jesus will tell us. But most of the time you know they don't. Because they don't want to offend you. They dare not say the things they really want to say. Because you will not turn up the next Sunday. But I just wonder what Jesus would say to us. To you. You think about it. What would Jesus say to you? When you see Him. Would He say the same thing as He said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees at this moment? Your heart is far from me. You don't honor me. You just honor me with your lips. Your worship is in vain. Would that be what He's saying to us? I just wonder. They worship. They worship. If you look through the Bible, you see people worship. But their worship was rejected. You know, Cain, he offered sacrifice to God. But we knew God didn't accept that sacrifice. His worship was in vain. King Saul, when he went out to war, he also kept the best of the sheep and the cattle for God. You know, for them to worship in that way is very troublesome. It's very dirty and bloody. Because there's blood everywhere. You know, the animals. And, and go through that kind of trouble to worship. And God said, it's in vain. Because obedience is better than sacrifice. Can you imagine? We go through life. We go through so much hassle and do a lot of things for God. In the name of God. But God said that worship is in vain. Isn't that frightening? The nation of Israel, they kept coming to God and worship. And God says. Stop bringing those sacrifices. I hate it. You know, you get things right. Clean out the mess, the wickedness that's around. Stop bringing those sacrifices. It's meaningless. He said, I hate your holy assembly. Don't, you know, you might as well stop it. Because your heart is far from me. You know what I want. But you don't. You don't do it. 
You don't want to obey. You nullify the word of God with your own tradition. That worship is in vain. It's in vain. I hope we capture what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees and Sadducees. Because very often we think that, ha, ah, that's not me. We don't do that. We're okay. We're Christians. But we need to take heed to what God is saying. Just read this verse to you in Isaiah 1.13. Isaiah 1.13. He says, Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbath, convocations. I cannot bear your evil assembly. Do you know all these things they do is in the name of God? In the festival that God has assigned? And God says, stop it. Because it's meaningless. If it doesn't come from the heart. And... Look at another verse uh, in the book of Mark. We go back to Mark 7. Let's continue, all right, in that particular passage. Verse 9 to verse 13. Verse 9 to verse 13. And he said to them, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever helps you might otherwise have, uh, have received from me is korban, that is a gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father and mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and you do many things like that. You have a fine way of setting aside the commandments of God in order to observe your own tradition. In other words, we justify it. We spiritualize it. We can even quote scripture to justify our rebellions. King Saul said to the prophet, I went. You asked me to go over and fight. I did. I do what God says. You see, we, we have spiritualized our rebellions. So in this case, Jesus put an example. You know, they're supposed to take care of their parents, but they, the, the priest asked them to give the money to the temple and so exempt them from taking care of their parents. That is contrary to what God said. You've got to honor, you've got to uh, take care. But they spiritualize it to justify you know, so many times we do that as Christians. We nullify the word of God because of our tradition. I talk to someone. They say, what can I do? Jali makan? You know, so 
Because I asked him, you know, where, where are you guys? I don't see you in church. What can I do? Tell him I can. So, you know, every this particular time I'm doing this, 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 this. Tell him I can. What do you expect the pastor to say? You cannot say don't jelly makan because they need to eat. You see the tradition, the mindset. But then when they go holiday, they they no problem. You understand what I'm saying? We justify, we spiritualize. So we justify. So have you talked to people? They say, "Oh, I still love God. I pray at home. I read the Bible." We have a fine way of nullifying the word of God. Just to soothe our conscience. So this morning, look into our own self. Are we really worshipping God? Are we really doing what God says? Or we just have a tradition, Christian tradition that nullifies the word of God. And Jesus said, and you do many things like that. Many things. Not just in this one area that I point out, but in so many areas. So this morning, it, it do us a word good to, to look, look into the many things that we do. The many reasons that we give to see whether they really stand against, uh, stand up to, to the word of God. Or are they standing against what Jesus is saying to us? Because we nullify our worship. And nullify the word of God. We, we, our worship is in vain. The Jews, they have a lot of these things. They can circumcise a baby on the Sabbath. But they say on Sabbath you cannot work. So Jesus questioned them. If their sheep or their cow were to get stuck in a well on the Sabbath, they will pull it out. But Jesus healed people on the, on, on the Sabbath. They say, no, Sabbath, you cannot work. So there's a lot of inc- uh, things that, that they do which is contrary to the Word of God. But it's just a tradition. So what about us? What about you? Coming to worship Sunday is our tradition. But in reality, we are to worship God every day, every moment. But to us, it's just Sunday, two hours. Pastor, watch the time. You know, it's over two hours. You better finish the sermon fast because I got something else to do. Well, we have to look into ourselves and see our worship. Okay, how how to break this kind of tradition in our mindset? How do we break this kind of tradition that, that gets stuck in us? You know, Peter, he's a Jew. They don't have anything to do with the Gentiles. 
And for, for Peter to break through this kind of tradition, for a Jew to break through this kind of tradition, is so difficult. That's why the early church have so much problem. It's not from our side. It's from the religious people. It's not from the Romans. It's the spiritual Jews. Who want to continue in the tradition of men. Rather than this new teaching. This new revelation that is coming through Jesus. So a lot of time our problem isn't people outside. It's people within who want to keep to the tradition. Last week I told you about my church in UK, my pastor. I tell you, if he take down that two bouquets of flour, hell will break loose. This particular woman will go around and attack the pastor because he's the one who put the flour there. So how can we break through? See, for Peter, God has to use the shock method. One time, not enough. Two times, three times. Just to give him that shock so that he's shaken out of the tradition. So you have to be drastic. You have to be determined. You have to be so radical if you want to break out from this tradition that you have set yourself in. There's no two way about it. You know the story, Peter was up in the middle of the day, you know, praying. And just before he's about to take his food because he's hungry, he went into a trance. And he saw heavens open and a sheet came down with all the animals, you know, that in their dreams mind are unclean animals. And the voice of God, God, He know, He know is God speaking. You know, we talk about the voice of tradition. You know the truth. You know God's word. But you just use your tradition to nullify the word of God. He know God is speaking. God say, take, kill, eat. Peter say no. I've never done it. In our tradition, we don't eat this kind of thing. I've never done it. No. God has to speak to him and say, what I say is clean. You do not say it's unclean. You do not nullify what I say. But Peter, first time, if you have that kind of angelic visit, supernatural visit, I think one time is enough, isn't it? We long for once, just once I can have that kind of experience. We don't even have one. But Peter, one time is not enough. No, he won't budge. Because the traditional bondage, traditional mindset are so strong. And God has come the second time. And the third time. In order to break through that kind of traditional stronghold. We're talking about a spiritual man. 
We are talking about someone who is serving the law, someone who is preaching the gospel, someone who is prepared to give his life to Jesus, to God. We're talking about this kind of person. We're not talking about somebody who doesn't love God or, or half-heartedly, no. But yet to break through this kind of tradition, it takes such a sharp treatment from God to shake it up. So don't undermine those power that is controlling your life. Have a good look at it. What you believe, what you practice, what you say. Weight it against what God says. And see where we fall short, where we need to rectify ourselves. So three times. And finally, he obeyed. Because Jesus actually has done it before. He visited a Samaritan woman. He has told a parable about the Samaritan who, 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 who take care of the guy who was robbed by the robbers. Jesus has already spoken and demonstrated for them. You know, to break those barriers. But here come the Gentile. He has to speak three times. So sometimes God has to repeat and repeat and repeat. If God is repeating, you have to ask yourself, have I heard? It's not God is repeating. Why do you speak to me? Again and again. Why is pastor preaching the same kind of topic? Again and again. Have we heard? Have we received the message? Or we think we know? We continue to stay in our tradition. We're going to stop here. I think we have a lot to think about. We have a lot of, to evaluate about our life. Even as we move towards the end of the year. Are we really, really worshipping God in the way that God accepts is pleased and He wants us to. Or are we just having a tradition? Christian tradition. Yes, it's good, but devoid of spiritual worship from the heart. Is our practice that the way we do, the way we live our lives. You know, we have scripture verses. We think we are obeying God. Do we really, really believe? Really obeying God? Or are there things that we don't want? These are just our own self-deception. We nullify the word of God that we know. But we have other scripture to back it up. So we justify ourselves. We satisfy our conscience. But we don't want to end up, at the end of the day, where God tell us your worship has been in vain because you're far from me. So let there be that tenderness in our hearts, that open heart towards God, towards the voice of God. Don't, don't assume that we know that we are we're okay. You know, because we, we know so much of the scripture. Let the word of God speak to us. 
so that we can really see whether we are honoring God, worshiping God, or whether God is saying, no, you don't. You just honor me with your lips. Your heart is far from me. Your worship is in vain. You have so many fine ways of, of nullifying the word of God. Shall we just come before God this time?